You're now listening to the Deep Edge Podcast with your host, technology expert Ray Moda, giving you the rundown on telecom, cloud, and all things business and tech. This is the Deep Edge Podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to this edition of the podcast. Joining us today will be two ACG principal analysts, Lillian Alfredo and Dr. Mark Mortensen. They wrote a paper related to the 5G space that touched on automation, cable, and a lot of different areas, and it's been getting a tremendous amount of exposure with a lot of interesting questions, so I'd like to invite them to the show. Hey, Lillian, Mark, welcome to another podcast. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Ray. Now, maybe um, for the audience that might have missed your previous attendance in the podcast, if, if Lillian and, and Mark, you can go a little bit about what your role is at ACG. Sure. Lillian, why don't you start? Sure. Yes. So um, I uh, at ACG, I focus on the cable industry and how it is evolving to meet the needs of um uh, the market basically there's been substantial changes in that industry as you can see uh, the consumption of broadband is increasing significantly we're going to be talking more about this another area of a slightly more recent interest is is healthcare and more specifically the digitization of healthcare which has been sort of uh, gotten a shot in the arm with the pandemic um, but, and also, uh, interestingly enough, the cable industry finds itself in a very good position to meet the needs of this uh, of this uh, growing market as well. So these are the two large areas of focus uh, that I have at ACG. Mark? Great. And uh, this is Mark Mortensen. Uh, I'm, uh, I've been here at ACG a couple of years after a 40-year career at Bell Labs, uh, CMO of a bunch of uh, OSS, BSS companies, and as an analyst for the last decade. I'm focusing on network automation primarily. We call it domain control and orchestration uh, research, uh, basically looking at the next generation of software systems that are working with the network to bring the zero touch, uh, zero trouble, uh, zero uh, time to certain new services uh, in, into, into, real, into reality. I've also uh, been uh, working with Lillian and some of my other colleagues here on the intelligent composable fabric concept, which is... Uh, Healthcare is one example, uh, but uh, we're talking about a platform for digitalization of enterprises that involves both computing as well as the communications, as well as a number of other uh, software components. So in other words, it's basically bringing all that zero stuff uh, to other enterprises uh, other than uh, communications. Uh, and uh, today, it's more the focus is going to be a little bit more on uh, 5G and 5G access deployments. Yeah, no, this is great. And I mean, I, I think um, while we're here today, I, you two wrote a paper that received a lot of uh, questions in good ways, right? A lot of positive feedback. And what I want to do, Mark, maybe start with you. We, we all know that 5G is enabling a lot of potential new holes of new services, right? And new revenue opportunities. And we're seeing some major deployments. But, but why is 5G access a big issue nowadays? Well, it is a big, access is a big issue. First of all, it's a new radio technology, right? Uh, absolutely. But it's also a whole new way of building networks. So uh, the first point is that 5G networks are going to be very dense and very complex. Uh, you know, we've been talking about how many towers does it take to do a 4G network? It takes, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands around the world. Well, there's going to be 10 to 20 times as many towers. So there's just literally going to be that many more access points there. Uh, which and and each of these is going to have a lot more bandwidth behind it. Also, 
because the new bandwidth services are coming out. So it's going to be just dense as all get out. Lots of things, lots of bandwidth is necessary to get back from the towers back to the offices where the uh, uh, where the rest of the equipment is con- is contained. Uh, we're talking about you know so twenty times ten to twenty times more things there, a couple of times more bandwidth there, uh, and then we're also doing a whole bunch of other things with the uh, the network that is uh, that's going to dense is going to densify this. We're we're finding the use of massive MIMO. Uh, these these distributed antennas even uh, beyond the uh, beyond the cell sites, um, and we're going to find then also the three to five times three to ten times bandwidth backhaul. So you know it used to be it took one or two um, T one lines, you know one and a half megabit lines to uh, handle most cell sites. We're talking about gigabits now in the future. So this densification. Of the uh, of the network is really of the access network is is going to be a huge issue, uh, and, uh, and and Lillian, you know, it's uh, there's more even that in cable also. Yeah, thanks, Mark. So it's just to to uh, dwell a little bit on what Mark is talking about. So a lot of this capacity that's going to be needed for the densification that's needed for five G has to happen in the access network um, in the so-called last mile, if you will. Um, and, and so basically, like Mark said, we're talking about gigabits versus megabits of, of bandwidth downstream and upstream. Um, and this is also happening at the same time as bandwidth utilization is exploding, certainly in the past year. Um, uh, you know, some early stats were like the bandwidth downstream d- d- increased 20% over the past few months, upstream 35%. I just got some new numbers today. Upstream, it's 57% increase. And this is without wow. 5G. This is just people yeah. studying, working, entertainment, everything else that you know at home. And I don't think this is going to subside. I think people have discovered the importance of broadband uh, for a lot of reasons. So this is going to happen on top of the massive need that's going to be put on these networks by the deployments of 5G that are really going into high speed and so we're going to be talking a little bit more about this because operators are be doing are doing a lot to add capacity, but there's going to have to be a fundamental uh, change in the network, and we'll talk about this um, in a couple of minutes um, to to meet this 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 need. So this is not going to be business as usual for for operators. Absolutely, you know. The, besides this uh, densification that we're seeing, and then the increased bandwidth necessary. We're finding there's something called disaggregation that's happening. Basically, a lot of the uh, operators uh, don't want to have a, a small number of network elements. They actually want to, believe it or not, break it, break those network elements into smaller pieces and then buy those pieces from different vendors and then have many of those piece parts be white box solutions that are kind of co- highly commoditized. So the idea is to reduce the costs uh, of a lot of the uh, a lot of the access equipment where, where most of their costs really are anyway right now. To, today is in the access network, get, get those costs down and bring more vendors in uh, and also provide a, a, a way for them to build some of their own software and put some of their own features associated with that, uh, with that white box uh, hardware. So they're actually pulling this, a lot of the software out of the current boxes, if you will, and uh, being able to get those either from vendors or write it themselves. So it's the idea is to reduce costs, but it's also hoping to open the architectures. There'll be much faster innovation and features there. And yeah, uh, no, I mean, I yeah, think it's, yeah. it's, it goes ahead, Lillian, you wanted to add to it? Uh, yes, so just want to um, 
dial down a little bit because this is a very important point that that Mark started uh, started with here. So you know, if you think of what we just talked about, the fact that the access network has to provide a lot more capacity. Um, cable operators are actually well suited to do this for two reasons. They're they're widely deployed in the access network. In the U.S., their footprint passes about ninety three percent of homes. Um, and then the other important thing for backhaul in the access network is power. So so there is they need power in the access network, and and cable operators have this uh, uh, power in the access network, unlike some other um, technologies like like Pond and so on. But uh, so that's the good news, but we also talked about the need for uh, significant capacity, right? And Mark started to talk about disaggregation. So if you think of today, what happens uh, today as uh, uh, cable operators increase capacity, what they do for the most part is something called node splits. So you have a node that serves 5,000 subscribers that's sharing a bandwidth, right? Some some um, capacity. And if the capacity requirements increase, what they call, they do a node split. So they take this, break it into two, and now they have two nodes. And now they have uh, half, twice as much capacity going to these subscribers. So, but then now they have to put more racks in the, in the head ends. They have to, you know, there's more power, more cooling and all of these things. And then if you think about it, you exceed the capacity of this one rack, you have to plop in another rack even if you just don't need all this capacity. So you can see why they want to disaggregate the network for two reasons. Um, they want to add capacity, but they don't have space in the head ends and so on. And they want to have less of this, um, this rigid scale scalability. And we're going to talk about virtualization in, in, in a little bit later. And so now you what they're doing is they're take taking this element, which is called the CCAP, which is sort of the brain of the, the high-speed network, and 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 this and breaking it up, opening it up, and as Mark said, you're going to start to see uh, these components coming from different vendors. Although that's not the case yet, this is coming. Uh, so far, a lot of these deployments are still bookended to a large extent because they're Im still immature. And so now you see the this uh, this service provided by some capability in the head end, but now more and more of these network elements in the access network. And, but a lot more of them. And, uh, and so if you think of this big box used to serve what the cable calls it 96 service groups, let's say, which is think of a service group as a group of customers, these small elements can serve maybe each of them two groups. So you have a lot more of them. So now you need to manage them. You need to monitor them. You need to install them, update them, all this stuff. And they have to have all these associations of many to many to make this network that's now broken up work when you used to have this one piece that had everything together. So you can start to see the complexity building up. Um, and, you know, we'll talk more as, you know, Mark will talk about uh, how, what does this mean to have this complexity in the access network? Back to you, Mark. Yeah. Well, Ray, I also, uh, you, you, you know, you, you have uh, Lillian and me working with you, but you have other people too. Uh, here and I think you you and even your work in a lot of uh, IP routing and uh, and switching, you're seeing a lot of disaggregation, aren't you? Yeah, no, I mean absolutely. I I mean re regarding disaggregation, it's not just in the routing area. 
we're, we're seeing it touch so many areas from optical transport, as you talked about, uh, in the cable industry, from what we see people regarding open RAN and VRAN uh, in the area where they're deciding whether to go with a vertical or horizontal stack. But a lot of the questions as you look to you know, separate the the hardware um, uh, from the software point of view, the questions are and concerns are, you know, are we making this more complex? And what is the motivation uh, from that point of view, right? Especially now, because a lot of the customers, uh, when I say customers, in this case, service providers, are looking at innovative ways to reduce their 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 capex spending for 5G deployment and looking at ways to areas to say where could I save money so open rent is a hot topic right Uh, and then looking at revenue things like MEC or private 5G but I think one of the questions I have for you since you guys did some research on that is is how does this is aggregation how does it happen uh, with 5G in the backhaul, right? Do you, I mean, do they use uh, the same technologies that have already been in place, uh, especially now that the mindset of the typical enterprise is changing? You know, it's more in a lot of cases of a hybrid work at home. What, what are your thoughts on that uh, related to the backhaul piece of this? Yeah, well, as uh, I, I think William has talked about a little bit on the cable side, they're well positioned right now for, for providing that, that increased backhaul, if you will. Uh, and uh, the fixed wireless people, I'm sorry, the fixed uh, line people also are very well placed also. They have this pond, right? They have this passive optical network out there, the fiber to the home, the curb or the building of the neighborhood or whatever. So they've got this huge pond network already out there that they intend to, uh, they, they intend to upgrade. Uh, although they haven't had to very much the way the cable operators have during the, the run-up because they've had so much bandwidth available here. But there are going to be some new schemes that are going to come up here that make it even better. We're going to start seeing uh, different bandwidth management schemes in PON. We're going to see them breaking up into lambda, into just different wavelengths of lambdas and different bandwidths that are, provi- that are going to be provisioned. But, and they're going to be disaggregating it all, as you were saying, uh, Ray, also in the access network, the optical stuff is disaggregating into what used to be one box becoming four or five different boxes. So all of this, what's interesting is the idea is to reduce the capex, and that's great. The trouble is you start ending up with simply a lot more boxes. So you have a lot more boxes than you had, and you have more, more of those boxes because you need so much more bandwidth. So we're talking about increasing the complexity of these networks and the interconnectivity. There's simply more stuff to do. Uh, and, um, and, you know, uh, Ray, I know you had an earlier podcast with PJ and Rick talking about uh, the new X-Hall requirements. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did a good job um, of explaining, you know, some of the um, the X-Hall requirements and, and, and literally associated with the disaggregation and the access equipment. And they touched on things like with what happens in the DOCSIS via, uh, I think it was DA. DAA architectures or PON, whether it was with OLT architectures. But uh, with that, they related it to certain applications that helped drive the need. So it wasn't just technology for technology's sake. Is that there's this new breed of applications that are require a certain amount of latencies in real time. And this low latency requirements is driving the need for the enhancements of this architecture, right? But, but again, I, I go back to the point is, 
is are we going to see more and more uh, of this complication because uh, and are we making our environment somewhat where it's not operationalized from the standpoint where we're seeing a lot of this equipment in the future to support this 5G simply put it, it, there's got to be a need, Mark. You're an automation guy. They, to me, I said the only way to solve this is going to be automation. Think about when we start expanding into other use cases like slicing and other areas associated with that. Boy, are you right. Uh, and, and operators understand this, that they, we absolutely, completely need to automate network operations, which we've done a pretty dismal job of doing so far. We've actually automated a lot of the, the, the BSS stuff, uh, the billing and the and the ordering management and all that is going online. But but most of the network is still being done by hand. Um, you know, we, we conducted a poll of the top 20 operators globally, and 89% of the operators said that automation is going to be absolutely critical to operate a 5G network. And 78% said, you know, it's really important even in the operating their 4G networks, but, and then they barely feel like they've barely gotten through with that. These operational complexity is going to is really going to increase. So let's do a little back of the envelope calculation about how much. Okay, so we got increased bandwidth needs, right? More so this ten to twenty times the number of antennas, and and ten to twenty times times five uh, increase in the in the back in backhaul uh, bandwidth. Um, now multiply then that by a factor of two or three as they disaggregate a lot of this stuff. They build open RAN and these other disaggregated network architectures. They break them into multiple boxes there. So now you have to worry about provisioning each one of those boxes exactly the right way. And then you virtualize a lot of these elements also, right? You, you, you run them not in special hardware, but in general purpose computing hardware, uh, kind of emulating their uh, functionality there. And so now you have to have not only that box to, to configure, that, which is now in software, but you also have to handle the computing infrastructure, the, the virtualization infrastructure, as they call it. That's what takes Kubernetes. So the point is, we are talking about uh, an increase in complexity that is going to be you know, 10 to 20 times that of, uh, of 4G operations. Now, can we go ahead and, or, and uh, well, let's just hire 10 to 20 times more people. That'd be a good jobs market. Uh, no. First of all, you, you can't hire 10 to 25, 20 times more people. And even if you could, you couldn't coordinate them all. We're going to have to automate it. We're just going to have to automate it. Um, so, uh, so, Ray, you're absolutely right. We, we just have to automate the heck out of all this stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think as we look um, from moving forward, right, um, automation is, is a term we've used a lot, right? In a, in a lot of areas, but I think we have to think about to say there's there has to be a use case, right? Uh, that's driving it, which we talked about with your your 10x uh, mindset, right? But there's a part of simplification uh, of the network and the use cases. And honestly, I want to thank you and and Lillian for joining and, and especially bring your expertise because I think you're going to continue to do research around automation for 5G access deployment because from an ACG point of view, we feel this whole area is just becoming hotter and hotter, especially as people look to to scale to, to new opportunities to justify the spending uh, on 5G. So Mark and Lillian, thanks for joining uh, the podcast. Thank you for having us, Ray, and you're absolutely right. We're just getting started. This is very exciting. Yeah, yeah, we're Thank excited you. too. Thanks, Mark.
And I it's great. This is a big job. You know, I've been at this for 40 years, and I think we're finally able to do what we wanted to do 40 years ago. We've got enough cheap computing. We've got enough storage. We've got enough software technology to actually automate the network. And thank goodness, because people just couldn't handle it in the, in the, in the future. And so thank you for the opportunity, Ray. You got it. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Deep Edge Podcast. Make sure to follow Ray Moda on Twitter and LinkedIn at rmoda. If you enjoyed the podcast, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes. Want even more? Head over to acgcc.com to access exclusive bonus content. Till next time.